and I would call right. you back. Right, dude, this podcast just flipped. Hey. It's so no, freaking no, dude, that, that's what I no level up no, with Kyle no, Negretti. No, no, seriously. No, but this is the thing. It's and I would say we miss the forest for the trees. It's not hard. Just get inspired about people, right? Become the student, right? We were talking about it. Like one of the one of the PSAs, right? Public I was like, become like here's permission. Become a beginner at something this week. Right? But I think oftentimes we don't want to be the beginner. Right. We don't want to be the student. We don't want to be in a place where we're going to get something wrong or going to fail. And I would say flip and fail. Take risk. Right. Like make mistakes. But this is like my philosophy is I hope that I'm making new mistakes every single day. Because why? Because it would mean that I tried. It means that I, I didn't sit on the couch in apathy making all these excuses about why this didn't happen. Why that. Before we get started today, I would be remiss if I did not thank our partners over at Proper Creative. Proper Creative is a production-on-demand company, and they monetize e-commerce platforms. They have a marketing powerhouse team from graphic designers, web development, photographers, videographers, market analysis, digital marketing strategists, and of course, social media experts. They help companies from development of content and products to the execution of digital strategies for e-commerce. They provide both full service and a la carte services for businesses that sell direct to the consumers. For me today, I am wearing a proper creative branded shirt. This is the Level Up Podcast shirt. You can get it. And uh, this is something that we send to all of our guests that come on our show. Our partners send them a gift package, and it's brought to you by Proper Creative. Thank you so much. You can follow them on social media, Instagram primarily, at P-R-O-P-R Creative. Again, they're an L.A.-based company, so they do things a little bit cooler than most. They spell proper, P-R-O-P-R Creative. Follow them on social media, Instagram, and give a shout-out. Thank you so much, again, to our brand partners, Proper Creative. Welcome to another week of Level Up. I am Matt Rogers. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for all of you who continue to like, subscribe, and share. That is so important to this podcast. Honestly, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, especially you sharers out there. Continue to share this thing because we got some momentum, baby. As always, my sidekick with me, co-EP and producer, Eli Adam, wait, no, that's the same thing. Co EP and engineer, yeah, Eli Adelman. Whatever title it is this week, let's yes. go with that. Uh, dude, we're gaining some momentum. Are you excited? I'm very excited. You should be. You're like the Oz behind this whole thing. Like, you, he's the guy that makes it sound and look for you YouTubers who are watching us. Um, most of our listeners are on Spotify and Apple, but we got a handful of y'all on YouTube. And for those of you who do appreciate the camera in this. Beautiful face. Eli is the one that makes it happen. Beautiful. <laughs> How are we looking on our momentum? You Man. were bragging about we're in some new countries. Yep. So we got uh, we're up to twenty countries now. We're up to twenty countries. Praise God. Twenty countries. Brazil is new this week. Brazil's new Wel this week. Welcome Brazil. United Arab Emirates. Dubai. Habibi. Let's and go. I've been right. to Dubai. Right. So, yeah, man, we're growing. It's because of our guests, man. And, you know, you're awesome. Eli, I love you. Our guests are always the best. Uh, I am proud to bring another one of my friends on today. This is a guy I met about six months ago. I would say he is one of 
uh, a master connector and a guy that operates in gifting better than anyone I've ever seen. One of my, one of my cool quotes, and, and this kind of describes my guest today. Uh, men in suits look really successful until you find out they work for the guy in T-shirt and jeans. And that basically means the guy behind the scenes you would never know, but this guy is probably one of the most connected people I know and a very, very powerful individual. My friend, Kyle Negretti, in the house. Come on. Praise God. Let's do it. Praise God. <laughs> hey, I am, I'm so fired up to be here. Dude, I love you, man. I'm glad that you're here. I mean, I knew when we started this podcast, there's a handful of people I knew would be on the show. Uh, you know, the Popes, Rex Crane, you, Matt Eisman. Like, these are my close friends. You're one of my friends. I met you through Rex about six months ago. Yeah. And it was like instant connection. Instant. Instant connection. But, dude, I've seen the way that you operate behind the scenes, and that's what we'll talk about. Not a lot of people would know about you, and that's intentional because you want to be the guy behind, you know, most, like in Hollywood, you know, we see the people on the screen, mm -hmm. but the ones who actually make it happen are the ones that are actually doing the work behind the scenes. You're kind of a behind-the-scenes guy. You've been with some of the biggest stars on the planet. None of us would ever know, and I actually kind of – pre-interviewed before like hey can we talk about this this and this and kyle was like no 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 so you don't really like to put it out there hey i'm working with this person i work with that person uh i'll just say this think of some of the biggest influencers in ministry and music and this guy works with them but i've been instructed to not <laughs> say names so i won't say any names that's right. For those of you watching on YouTube, John three sixteen. I won't say any names. That's a good incentive to watch <laughs> on just YouTube. One. Um, but dude, welcome to Level dude, Up. I'm so fired up. I I mean, Level Up this podcast. It's been absolutely incredible. I think in a world right where all this information, all these podcasts are so saturated, I think that you are bringing such a unique voice. Right. Really? That's what I love. I mean, you got such a unique voice and I, I wish that I hope that our, our listeners could hear you sing. I'm sure you've been singing. I haven't. Uh, you, they got to hear but your voice. You can bring it out in me. But see, this is the thing. And that's what I, that's what I love. You have a unique voice and I love that you've been so strategic right? And bringing on these different voices, yeah. right? And, that, and that's what I love. And I, I love that this is a family affair. I love that you have a podcast now, right? That people are listening to in 20 different countries. Let's and the go. fact that you just get to bring on your friends and have a, have a conversation on the back porch. This is what it's all about. Well, I have a lot of friends that, you know, that asked to be on and want to be on. You've never asked. <laughs> I asked you, uh, <laughs> I want to be nice, Yeah, but no, no, I say that because I don't just bring my friends on because, you know, yeah, they're my friends and it makes the conversation more comfortable, but I, I, I want to bring people on here that actually have, you know, have something to say and add value. And you do, mm. because like I said, I've never seen someone work behind the scenes like you do. You're, you're always on the phone. You're always elevating people. Like it, you have really found a niche for helping people get from level two to level four, level mm. four to level six. And you're a master connector. Before we get into that, like, tell everyone about your background because I've only known you about six months. Yeah. We've kicked it together face to face three or four times now, um, and I've heard you speak, which is phenomenal. <laughs> but like, where did you grow up? Where did you come from? Like, how did you get to where you're at right now? Because you're young. You're only what thirty five. 
31. 31. Bro. Man, Praise I God. Mean, 35. I got a little bit of gray, but yeah, come on, bro. No, you didn't shave this morning. Hey, that's why. I didn't. Come on. 31. Come on, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Fresno, California. I was born into a big football family. Loved football. Was yeah. born into just a super competitive environment. Uh, a couple cousins that are around my, my same age. So just grew up in the super competitive environment. But one of the things that I think was very transformational in my life was unfortunately I lost my mom. Uh, at 12 to breast cancer and you know what was there uh, when she took her last breath right and so i mean that uh that transaction that that takes place from someone leaving this earth and and going to be with jesus is a is very transformational and impactful super tight with your mom very very close yeah so she was, was the tough heart, she was the toughest person that i'd ever that i'd ever met that was a heartbreaker. That, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah. Was it one of those, like, was it was it quick or was it a long, drawn-out process? Or was it like, dude, one minute she's there, one minute she's gone? So it was breast cancer. So she, ha so she had cancer, went on remission. It came back. And, you know, once, once it comes back outside of a, you know, divine miracle, which we were believing for, right? Mm -hmm. Outside of a divine miracle, uh, it, it's really tough once it, once it comes back. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty drawn-out process. She was flipping tough, though. Right. Uh, and it was, uh, it, yeah, I, I mean, uh, and I would hope that I would represent and, and carry that legacy of, of toughness into the world today. And I, I am, you know, I, I've only had her for, for 12 years, but I would say that, you know, her legacy of love, her legacy of strength, her legacy of toughness is, still lives on. And that's a great legacy, you know, to carry that torch into a world that needs strength, right? Absolutely. That needs, that needs hope, right? And that, that needs peace. And I, you know, I, I've realized, you know, peace is super, super underrated until you realize you don't have it. Right. <laughs> right? Totally. <laughs> right? It's super, super overrated or underrated until you realize you don't have it. And so that's one of the things that I, I've loved. You so know. did you realize that you, I mean, are you talking about yourself that you didn't have peace and you found it? Or are you talking about your mom had it and that's, I, made that I, process easier. Yes, I realized that for the majority of my life, I had everything in terms of success with athletics. We don't. Have, we could talk about that a little bit, but a lot of success growing up, uh, a lot of success even in the classroom. And I realized, though, at 19 years old, that I had all this success uh, from a worldly perspective, but I had no peace. Right? There was something on the inside of me. There was a gap. You know, there was a void on the on the inside that I didn't really that I didn't have the peace that surpassed all understanding that we talk about that the Bible talks about. Right? I didn't. I didn't. Were have you a that. Bible guy? Like, were you a Christian guy? And you knew, like, hey, something's missing, or did you not know? I was raised Catholic, but was raised in a in a home that we knew Jesus. We went to church. I mean, I remember growing up. We never missed a Sunday. Right? We were a mass or a church mass. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah, I went to Catholic mass. Uh, but have a, an you know amazing dad who's been a he's a faith filled man he's a prayerful man, and so I always know who Jesus was. But it wasn't until I was nineteen I actually uh, ended up I don't like saying leaving the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. but I ended up meeting Jesus uh, at a church. I I was I was listening to uh, it was Mother's Day of two thousand and nine. And we're kind of bouncing around here, but Mother's Day 2009, so I'm a freshman in college. Yeah. Right? Where at? Uh, I was down in, in San Diego at a church called The Rock, Miles McPherson, great church. Down oh, there. he's an ex-charger. Yes, ex-charger, amazing guy. Amazing oh, yeah. pastor. God's given him a great assignment down there. But uh, I was listening to... Uh, they're actually a, a band, a Christian band here, the Katinas. Oh yeah. Shout out to Katinas. Papa Joe. Yes. Yeah. They, they're the best. Their family's amazing. And on mother's day, they actually wrote an entire album. They lost their mom uh, in a very similar way. And they were on mother's day. They were talking about, uh, 
their mom on her deathbed. They, you know, her mom brought in one son, one by, you know, one by one by one said, Hey, I don't have much to leave you, but I have this legacy of, of love, this legacy of Jesus. Y'all are worshipers. Y'all are amazing husbands, amazing fathers. Yeah. You, you know, you have to understand, you have to promise me come hell or high water, whatever, whatever life throws your way, you just stay close to Jesus. And they talked about this peace that they had, right. right. That transcended their current circumstance of their mom, you know, the, the void of their mom, not being there, you know, physically. And so they talked about this piece and I said, Jesus, if that piece is available, that's something that I know that I don't have. If that piece is available, I want all of it. And I said, Jesus, I, here I am. This, let's, let's go do this thing. And it felt like 10,000 pounds, Matt, was lifted off my chest in that really? moment. I Instantly. could breathe for the first time. Yeah. Do you think it was like a, a psychological thing? Like you just had something to believe in now? Or did God really touch you and bring that piece? I think God really touched me and, and brought that piece. Uh, yeah, it was a very, it was a very tangible thing. And I, you know, I, I just, I love that now I think about the storms of life, right. That have come, right. The bad, the bad, you know, cards that I've been dealt, right. The bad hands that I've been dealt throughout my life since that moment. And I always go back to the peace that I felt that transcend, like, because I think peace is not just some fleeting emotion, emotion, peace is a person. And that person is Jesus. Right. right. So, I mean, we could have all this chaos, right? All these storms ensuing, but still be at peace internally because we know that peace lives on the inside of us. And so it, I, I go back to that moment all the time. So that is where my, you know, my real come to Jesus moment really was. Right. Was there. And so you had that peace and started walking in it. How did life change for you? Because it sounds like you had like a little bit of void from 12 to 19, right? Yeah. When mom passed away. Yeah. Did that kind of fill the void? I know no one ever takes place of mom, but yeah. No, it, it, it absolutely did. And then I think shortly thereafter, it felt like my life kind of went on a different trajectory. Um, I was playing football at USD, not University of San Diego. And then shortly thereafter, I transferred to you, you know, got to got to play at a, a dream school and got to go play in front of 100,000 people at USC. Trojans. And we have to talk about, I mean, Mr. Mr. Washington, Mr. Rose Bowl right here. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't get to win a Rose Bowl. Yeah, well, who you was your coach? Was it Pete Carroll? So Pete Carroll recruited me. Uh -huh. uh, and then Coach Lane Kiffin came in. Lame Kiffin. You, oh, are you are you a Kiffin guy? You like him? I, I there is no, there is no one better. Ex the Coach Lane sees the game in slow motion. He he really he he is an amazing X's and O's guys. I I, I don't know if there's anyone better. I, I mean, just I really every I would want. I've never you know coached or I, I've never been coached by him before. He just doesn't seem like a great motivator though. Is he? I, I, mean, you, I mean, I'm, I'm asking. No, I mean, I, I mean, I would say he put great people. Uh -huh. He had a great staff, and he, he knew how to motivate. He knew how to recruit. He's, I mean, really, really great with recruits. Really, really great with the moms, which is what you have. I mean, you have to, you have to sell the school. You have to sell, right? And right. he, and he did, a, and he did a great job at that. And I, and I really love how the success that he's had post, you know, USC mm -hmm. now at Ole Miss. I, I love that he's got a shot at, at you know, coaching in the SEC. And the fact that he now has the opportunity to develop, you know, really great athletes in the SEC <laughs> in a tough place. You Dude, know? I think I think we uh, we peaked in the Pac twelve, Pac ten, Pac twelve because now, like now, living in the South, dude, it's different out here. Football, oh, football is different. Like, I don't see how a West Coast team, and I'm going to get crucified by my West Coast listeners, but I don't see how a West Coast college can really compete with some of these SEC schools. I just don't like. It's a different breed out here, man. Like it's, yeah. it is life yeah. over here. Yeah. Over there, it's, I'm going to do this so I can get to the next level. Over here, it's, I'm living in this. Yeah. It's way different. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go to the Texas A&M Alabama game, mm -hmm. and it was a it was a different ball game, right? That SEC country, it, it was you know they broke the attendance record, and I had not been to a call. I mean, I thought that I had a great college experience at USC, you know, getting to go up and play at Autzen at, at you know at you know against Oregon, right. and then going to get to play at, the Ducks. At South Bend. South Bend was South Bend was the coolest experience. Hey, man. There's nothing you better. Can feel it. You feel it. No, yeah. and I'll tell you this. I got I got dressed as quick as I could. Right, that's a great. It was my junior year. Uh, it was the first night game against uh, Notre Dame in a really really long time. And uh, I, re I remember they had speakers on our sidelines pumping in noise to make it louder on our sideline. It was crazy, right? <laughs> but I got dressed super, super quickly because I wanted to walk down the tunnel because, I mean, I grew up watching Rudy, right? Yep. I wanted to walk down the tunnel by myself, and I ended up getting to walk down. It's like this God-ordained moment in time where I got to walk down the tunnel, at walking out to the stadium at Notre Dame in the, in the lights, right, by myself. And they had bagpipers, right? You can't make this stuff up. I mean, it was, I mean, they had bagpipers in the back and I got to walk and just, just soak in the moment of here. I, I of here. I, I mean, it was really, really powerful. I, it's a sacred place. And oh, for sure. And we got the win, which was, which was huge. I was there on the sidelines reporting for Turner sports for the Bush push, which ended up, you know, ending at night. Yep. So you were the first night game after that, which would have been like what, three or four years later. Correct. Yeah. Did you Crazy. guys win? We won. We we'll won. Score. Oh man, I don't, I don't really, I don't remember, but I remember Juwan's a starling who's a, who's a safety, who's a stud. Yeah. Uh, we had Notre Dame was going down to score, and they fumbled, and he, I think it was like a ninety-seven yard return to the house on our as a safety. That's so uh, rad. And it was an amazing, amazing one. I remember there. I, I don't know if there had ever been a, a better time that I've had a, my, you know, best moment in sports was in the locker room after. Uh, with with the team that I mean that celebration and you, and you know you know the drill there's nothing better than that camaraderie do you believe it's pointless for teams to pray for victory before a game I wouldn't say it's necessarily pointless but I, I and I, I and I've actually thought about this a lot right does right. God care about the outcome of a sports game right does he I I don't know I don't know like I know he <laughs> wants I know he wants him to stay healthy I yep. know God doesn't want anyone to get injured or hurt but I I wonder if God like I don't know. Like, yeah. if, you know, if you listen to Joel Osteen, it's like, you know, God's in control of everything and, you know, he's going to do, you know, but we also play yeah. <laughs> some kind of role yeah. in it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so like, I wonder like if God has like a plan, well, this person's going to win and then down the road, they're going to know this for their life. Or if God's like, you know, okay, cool. You guys could both keep praying, but doesn't matter because <laughs> one team prepared better than the other one. And that, that one's probably going to win. Well, yeah. I mean, just think about what if Liberty University was playing against Oral Roberts, right? In a basketball <laughs> game, right? Is God like somehow like not for the other team who loses? I mean, you, hey, what do you think, Eli? Yeah. Who's going to win? Well, I think about like losing sometimes is like the most forming thing you can do, you know? So maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe like, I don't know. I think it's God so multifaceted. God just turns it around for good. It's so multifaceted <laughs> that. Yeah. That's know. what I'm going to start right? doing. When I talk to different <laughs> yeah. football teams, because sometimes I'll come in on as a guest speaker, I think I'm going to start out with. Hey, just remember, if you lose this game, God's going to turn it around for good. <laughs> Praise God. Let's get out there and just do our best and have fun. Yeah. Come on, guys. Well, that was a great speech down for Atkinson County High School. We we prayed and spoke oh, over that soccer team, and we got the win. We did get we the did win. Get okay, the so win. what he's talking about, Kyle and I were just in Douglas, Georgia um, over the weekend, and we spoke to a small-town girls soccer team who wasn't supposed to beat the other soccer team. Kyle was unbelievable. <laughs> we both spoke, 
And they went out and they freaking won. So we showed up to the game after halftime. It was one to one with like 30 minutes left. And they were just getting killed. Like 90% of the game was played on their side of the field. These girls could not cross midfield. And dude, like five minutes left, they got some kind of miracle breakaway and they scored. And I was almost crying because I'm like, that's a freaking miracle. Right. Because this other team's way better. And we won. And then going back to like how important sports is, dude, they freaking won. And just these big old fat redneck hillbillies stand up. Well, no matter, we're still the league champs and brought, oh, dude. And then this. Hispanic crowd started throwing like peanuts at the redneck white people and the redneck white people are like start saying borderline racial dude, slurs. Dude, where were like, you guys? Oh, oh. Dude, we were in hey, we were in the middle of the backwoods of South Georgia. That's it, awesome. It was and I'm just standing there and I'm like, you know, I'm a big white guy too, but like I kind of wanted the Mexican people to go beat the crap out of right? me. Right? Cuz I'm like these white people were being so stupid. Yeah. Well, we're going to go. We're still league champs. I'm like, dude, you lost, bro. Like right. freaking kick rocks. Yeah. It was bad. Dude. Well, isn't it funny, right? We think about, oh, we, I think the reason why that that our that women's soccer team won was because of our prayers. Hundred percent. It was absolutely because of of the way that we. You're spoke, kind of smiling. Right? Are you serious? It absolutely <laughs> was because of that. But isn't it funny how we want to say that about after we win? But if they were to lose, we'd say, "Oh God, it was just God's God's idea, right? He just didn't want he didn't want them to win." But that doesn't make sense. Right. He wants us to win, right? But it, it is funny, right? When we have this conversation, right? It's so easy to say we tend to judge everyone else right by their actions and only judge ourselves by our intentions mm. right so we can we can talk about this more but I, it's it's i think i i really feel this not that this is a segue but i i feel like oftentimes right we would love to say oh it was because of us right? right it was because of the way we pumped up these girls right these girls are getting out of their seats eating chicken tenders right with ranch and macaroni and cheese before a game like who who decided that like what health coach decided that that mama was the, Allie like, decided I mean, that don't you just disregard the holy spirit yeah i mean oh, my I goodness but well, then but then in a, in a loss it's oh 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 it's, it, it wasn't us like i wasn't a part of that right. right and i think that that's a really interesting uh, topic of discussion. It is. So right? what are you saying? No, it's just, I, I think that I, one, I don't really know how to answer that, but I think it's just, it's interesting too. I just think about in life as, as humans, we like, I tend to judge you based on how you treated me. And I, and I could care really less about your intentions of what you actually maybe admit in that situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm only going to judge myself based on how my intentions were not how you received, how I treated you. Right. So we so like I said, we tend to judge other people by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions, even though my intentions maybe that hurt you. Wow, that is deep. Let me ask you this, because you you actually said something in that speech with those girls. I'd kind of like you to to touch on about the music and when the music stops. Yeah, it was really, really inspiring. And I don't know how you said it, but I want you to say it again, because I'm going to go back on this and and press replay. And I'm going to memorize it. And then I'm going to go preach it as if it's my sermon. It's yours. (laughs) What did you say? Like, you were talking about, like, you know, and and put yourself in this situation. You know, the small town girls soccer team, high school girls soccer team. um, That's, you know, let's just call it it their average. And they were playing a very superior team. You guys already know the outcome. They won, which was awesome. But we're sitting there, you know, talking to them. And I'm trying to fire them up. And then it goes to you, and you really gave, like, a deep, powerful, magical story, like, about, you know, hey, you have this moment, but when the music stops, you're going to need people in your life. Like, 
and you kind of like reenact that because it's yeah. really good. Stuff. Well, I, I would say one, it's re it's really powerful because I would say that you have already done this for me. You've already been what I'm about to say. You've wow. already done this for me, which Dude, is so powerful. No, I, I mean, I just I just want to say I really respect you. I think what's really cool, and I would love the listeners to to know this about Matt. I met Matt, and I felt like I had a, a I saw a picture into the future of what it is I want to be like the type of husband, the type of father, the type of friend, the type of businessman. I felt like God gave me, right, this picture and this vision of what it would actually look like to say yes, like who I would actually want to be like, right? And I and I love that the first person that God really did that for me in my life with was was our our mutual friend Rex Crane. Right. And so I, you know, I say put put Matt and Rex together and man, you could just take over the world. Right. And so that's why I I, I love I love this. But and I just want to say the like bad news is if you put me and Rex together, you're still bald. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's and you true. Have gorgeous hair. Well, that's fine. I messed I, up your flow. Go no, ahead. no, no. I, I would rather be bald. I'd, if I could be bald and be like both of you, I'd sign up for it right now. <laughs> In fact, like receding hairline, it's okay. Bring You're it on. Still no, go back yeah. to bragging about me again. Go no, ahead. exactly. No, but I would say like that we we all need right. We all need these corner men, right? We need the corner men and women, and we you know the I would say you know the the in life the music in our lives are going to go out. And the analogy that I like to use here it is right here. It's good. Here we go. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It really was good, dude. Yeah. So the analogy that I like to use is you think about okay at my wedding. Don't know when it's going to be. Hopefully it's in the next 10 years. We'll see. Hashtag Kyle single and available ladies. Hashtag bring her on home, Lord. Amen. Hey, I just say it's like a the UPS or FedEx when you're tracking. Mm -hmm. It says that it's in transit, but just the package hasn't been delivered yet. Glory to God. Right? So it just hasn't been delivered yet. Yeah, that's a good, that was free too. That's, wor that's worth that's a the time. Tweetable moment. Yeah, tweetable moment. Okay. So there would be nothing worse, right? Than at my wedding, Right. The DJ we picked great songs. That DJ's cutting it up, having a ton of fun. I got grandma out of her walker. I got grandpa, got him WD 40 to his hips. He's locked and loaded, <laughs> ready to go. Plates are breaking. People are dancing on tables, all these things. And then poof, the speakers go out, right? There'd be nothing worse in that moment than for the speakers to blow, right? And this analogy that I like to use is we need the corner men or corner women that when the music blows, right? That we have people in our lives that are going to keep singing so that we can keep dancing, Amen. right? And I know that I have your, if, if we were at my wedding, I know that you would begin to sing and invite other people to sing so that the party could go on, right? Right. And That's I think that good. that is what is so powerful is we know that the music in life is going to go out. We're going to deal with tragedy. We're going to do with, we're going to deal with hardship. We're going to deal with bad business decisions. We're going to do with betrayal and being backstabbed, all these different things in life. But do we have people in our lives that are close enough? Cause that's the other thing we need people that are in proximity that are close enough into proximity so that we could actually hear or that they actually know that the music is going out. Right. So that's one thing, have people around you right? That are assigned to your blind. I, I say, do you have people assigned to your blind, your blind spots, right? Right. From a biblical perspective, who's assigned to your corner of the mat, right? Cause there are going to be times where you're going to feel paralyzed. You're immovable. You're, you're just plagued by apathy, right? Who has been assigned to your corner of the mat, right? So they could kick in the roof. We know the story, right? Mm -hmm. You kick in the roof to, to lower you into the presence of Jesus. Who right. are those people? Right. And so I, I just want to say one, thank you for being one of those people for me. But two, I challenge every single listener, right, is who have you been assigned to, right, to be that corner man or that corner woman for when, for when the music goes out? But also on the other side, who are those people 
that have been assigned to, to your life, right? And it, I, I will just tell you, express gratitude for those people. And if you have those people, keep them close. And if you don't have them, go find them because you need them. How do you find those people? I think it happens by being vulnerable. I think it happens by, I think one of the most profound truths in life is help. <laughs> right? Help. That's simple. Help. Just the reality of humbling ourselves to say, hey, I actually, I actually need help here. I'm not Superman. Right. I, I don't always have to put on this persona of a cape. Right. And I think that the world that we live in, that that's often what happens. And so I think ultimately, one, it's humbling yourself to say, hey, I actually need help. I actually don't have it all figured out. And in fact, I want to and I would say identify people in your life or in your sphere of influence that are operating at a level that you want to and just go learn. Right. Serve them. Honor them carry their bags, travel with them for free. Just get around That's people. That's a concept right there. Get around people who are going to inspire you. And just keep your mouth shut and serve. 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 Honor. You know, I tell people, I want to influence people in private, and I want to honor them in public. That's good. Right? I'll tell you, that's a recipe for success. It will take you a very, very long way. And the fact that you, if we begin to embrace and engage with people by not wanting something from them, right? I love Rex Cream. One of the most profound things that he's ever told me is this idea and concept of to enjoy something means to bring joy to, not to get joy from, Yeah. right? And so I think that that's what's so profound is when you know who you are, the, I think the one truth about that that is so profound is that when you know who you are, you could afford to give it away. Right. Yeah, it is. And there's something so true. So that, that's why we have to take inventory of who we are, the mechanics of why we think that why we operate. And that's what I love about you is I've I have met a handful of people in my life that are, I think, more in tune and more aligned with who they are as a person. And because of that, we can go light people up in Kroger. We can go light people up in the Starbucks, <laughs> you know, light people up in the Starbucks. Yes, we do. Right. We can go light people up in, you know, in Hollywood right? Or on the NFL stage or whoever it is that God's assigned us to, right? Because, and you've modeled that so well, right? So what does that look like for you, Matt? Because I, I would say like, you very much could be in my seat, right? Because I would say you are even more gifted, more talented, I don't more of a that. connector, all of those things, right? And so what has that looked like for you? It's funny too, but you like, you know, you said, you know, you said something really nice about how God gave you a vision for, you know, this is what you want to be like for a father and this and that. But when I get around you and I listen to you on the phone, because I love sales, I love business, I love closing deals, I love people who tell me no, and 30 minutes later they tell me yes. I love that stuff. That just gets me going. Um and you're one of the best at it, man. Like, so when I'm, you know, you're saying this about me, but when I'm around you, I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Kyle, how can I reach out to this person, you know, uh, better on Instagram, this and that. But to answer your question, uh, I prayed a prayer about, holy smokes, it was, I'm getting freaking old. It was 12 years ago now because it was 09. Um, and I've told this story before, but I started with, I prayed a prayer five years ago. And now I'm saying I prayed a prayer 12 <laughs> years ago. Holy smokes, time flies. Um, I really did pray a prayer, and I said, Jesus, let me see people through your eyes, through your lenses. And I'm telling you, man, just like the, pray, the prayer that you prayed, if that piece is available, give it to me, and he did. When I prayed that prayer, Jesus, let me see people through your eyes, it instantly changed me to where I could honestly say, 
I don't fight with my brothers and sisters like I used to. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Like we, we didn't fight a lot, but we fought. We disagreed. And the funny thing is we still disagree, but we don't fight. Yep. I don't, I'm not controversial with them anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't debate with them anymore. Yeah. I don't like that's gone. And I'm not saying, oh, it's because of me, but I, I don't think like me personally, I don't let it get to the point where I let it get before because I don't get offended by people anymore. Yeah. Like it's impossible for you to offend me. Like my job is just to love you, to see you through the lens of Jesus. So regardless of what you do to me, even if you stab me in my back, you might not get that type of access to me next time, yeah. but I'm not bitter at you. I'm not, you know, I'm uh, I could still be free to love you. So that's kind of how I've been able to yeah. operate in that. So when we do go into a Kroger or whether I am, you know, one of my you know favorite stories is being on a lot in Hollywood and, you know, being around the people of Hollywood, you know, it's, it's different. Um, they believe different, they act different, but I know that they have a destiny. I know that Jesus died for them just the same as he's died for me. So like you said, I never look at people as what I can get from them. Even in Hollywood, people who are bigger stars than me, like, and I wanted to get to where they were. I never looked at them like, Hey, how can you help me get to where I want to be? I've always just loved them, enjoyed them. And Mm -hmm. it's worked out pretty well. Like you said. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's so powerful and it sounds like this counterintuitive idea, right? We, you know, I sit in these homes, you know, 50,000 square foot homes, right? With 50 foot ceilings and butlers and all these things waiting on you. Right. But realizing that in any room that I walk in, I know that I have the most to give because I know who I am. Right. And I'm just looking to serve. I mean, really at the, at the very core, I'm just looking to serve. And how could I expand? How could I grow? How could I enhance your life? And to operate under under that, and because we were talking about this too, people can sniff a salesman from a million miles away. Sure. Right? And so for me, any business that I that I conduct, none of it is transactional. The transactional piece is going to get done. That's what we get paid to do, mm-hmm. right? Like that, put that aside. The transactional piece is the exchange that takes place in a moment, right? One of the things that God has been challenging me on and growing and kind of removing a lot of my limitations in terms of time, right? If Because if you think about it, time is the only finite resource that every single human on the planet has an equal amount of, right? So how we choose to engage with that time says a lot about what it is that we value. Now, when you say an equal amount of like you and I both have 24 hours, 24 hours in a day. Yep. Because Every we don't know person. when we're going to die. We don't know when we're going <laughs> to die, but we all have equal amounts. Every single person. I think that, I mean, there may be other things, but I mean, outside of that, those right. are the, that's like the one finite resource that that's the great equalizer is time. Right. 24 hours in the day. If you find someone that has 26, let me know. Cause I could use them. <laughs> right. <laughs> let me know that guy. Right. You probably know him because you're the mass connector, yeah, right. right? You know, everyone. Right. <laughs> but in that, I think one of the things that is really interesting, right? So how we choose to engage with that time says a lot about what we value, right? Cause we, you know, we attach value to what it is that we honor, what it is that we we respect. So I can tell you right now, there's no place that I'd rather be, right, than sitting here with you and Eli talking about these things, right? And I, I chose to do this in exchange for any other decision that I could make right now in this moment to be mm-hmm. right here. Any other decision that I could make in the world, I chose to be here, right? So I get to show up and engage with this time and honor this time, honor your time. And I believe in that people can genuinely understand and feel that you're not in it for just, it's not just, oh, I, I just can't wait. Like oh, I'm super engaged. I had a bunch of emails, bunch of calls that I'm, I, you know, I have I, all, life, life is happening. 
right now as we speak. Can't stop it, right? right? But the only thing that we could really bring right to tomorrow are memories that we created today. So why not create and fill today with a bunch of goodness, with a bunch of joy, and with a bunch of fun, right? And that's what I love about you. Being around you, it's flipping fun, right? Like you're fun. <laughs> we do to, have a good hey, time, hey, baby. Hey, you are fun to be around, right? Like you, you, awesome. you can't be, you can't sulk. You can't be in a bad mood being around you because you're just a happy guy, right? And that's, and that's what I love is that you and you choose to engage with time in a, in a fun, joyful, celebratory way. And that's what I love. And I think that that, that right there, that theology, that belief of just, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a good mood today. I'm going to smile, right? right. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to sing. I'm going to skip around and just have a good time and not care about what other people think about me. That alone will set you apart in ways in which that your business acumen, the way in which that you respond to a LinkedIn message, how you correspond to an email could, could never do. So let me ask you a question because, you know, we do analytics on this podcast and we have a, a, a big group of middle-aged women who are like moms. And especially here in the South, for the most part, not all, but for the most part, that demographic, their husbands usually go to work and they're usually stay-at-home moms. And they might be listening to you thinking, oh, that's great, Kyle. You're a young 31-year-old male, but you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what I'm going through, You know, whether it's an abusive relationship or a bad marriage or my kid is sick or... I'm just depressed. I'm just miserable. I just don't like where I'm at in life and I can't put on a fake smile because I'm not as excited about my life as you are about your life. Yep. What can you say to those people to help them? Yeah. Because you know, you're not immune to challenges, you know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes our challenges just happen because of life and sometimes our challenges are because we brought them on. We made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. How can those people, you know, level up, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, no, it's great. I I think the first question that I'd ask is, when is the last time you laughed? Really laughed, right? When is the last time you were actually in a good mood, right? When's the last time you just did something fun? Or when was the last time you did something for yourself, right? Because, and I would say, where, where are you dreaming, right? Because I say that you know that you've arrived at hope when you're able to dream again, mm. right? So for those that are feeling downtrodden, those that feel, hey, life has got the best of me, this pandemic, I'm on lockdown, I don't know about this vaccine, what the heck is going on, you know, all these things, right? Uh, marriage is challenging. I would say, begin to dream again. What are those things that God has put on the inside of you? Or maybe you don't even know what God's put inside of you, right? But begin to engage with yourself in a way in which that you haven't before. And I think oftentimes, and I, and I will say, I think the best job in the world is, is a stay-at-home mom. I, I, really, I really think that that's the case. Because why? Because I think that the greatest assignment that we have is to raise children that don't have to recover from their childhood, right? <laughs> and the Amen. fact that children, I think the, the, the tough part today is that children have to look outside of their home for a hero. Ooh, gosh. Right? Parents, listen to that right there. That is freaking the whole deal right there. So true. And so I, I would say the, state, the, the influence that a mother has in the transformative years of a, raising a son or raising a daughter is absolutely amazing. I mean, think about the influence that Mama T has in this home, mm-hmm. right? Right? We know who wears the pants, but we know who puts them on in the morning for you, right? Right, Matt? Right? Praise God. <laughs> Come on. But so I, I, I would say that that's why I think it's the be- why that's why I think it's the best job in the world, because I think there's something so profound, right, about a child being able to look at someone that they love and someone that they respect in the eyes and know that that person believes in them. 
right? And I would say that that for me was always so transformative for me and knowing that what I knew that my dad, even to this day, right? My dad thinks that I hung the stars. He maybe not tell me, but I know that he's got my back. And I knew that every single time that I looked him right in the eyes, I knew that someone believed in me. And so therefore he then gave me permission, even though he didn't say it explicitly, he gave me permission, right? To be whatever I wanted to be. And I would say for, for the mom, for the dad, for whoever you are right now, right? When you were five years old, remember that time where in 30 seconds, you were an astronaut, a lawyer, a <laughs> dentist, a ballerina, an NFL superstar, all within 30 seconds, right? Remember that I, I would pray right now that that child in you would be redeemed. That child in you would be restored where life happened, right? Life yeah. has happened and life is, I'll tell you this. I got, I got good news and I got bad news. Life is going to continue to happen. Right. So how we engage with that time that's going to happen says a lot, right? So I would say, I would, I would pray that, that that child in you would be awakened, that you'd be able to dream again. And I could imagine, uh, obviously I'm not a, a parent, but I could imagine that life has happened. And I think oftentimes as parents, this exchange takes place, right? And you would know this way better than I, so I'm not the expert, but I, I've just, I've talked to a lot of parents, right? And I think what often happens is the dreams that we have for ourselves get ended up getting put into the pantry, not even on the back burner, because then everything revolves around our kids, right? Yeah. The dreams, the visions, everything now is how can my ceiling become my kid's floor? Everyone talks right. about it, right? But <laughs> what would that look like? What if God wanted for us as parents, for you as a parent, for anyone listening as a parent to begin to engage with dreams that he has for us personally? Because I would say that the dreams that God has put inside of you personally are to affect every single person around you, mm -hmm. right? So it's not at the expense of something being taken away, right? I say fear is always looking at what could be taken away and freedom is always looking at what it can release. Say right? that again. Fear is always looking for what's going to be taken away, yeah. right? While freedom is always looking at what it can release. That's good. Right? And it's, again, it's how we engage. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say you as a parent, like, what has that looked like for you? I mean, I would say that, you know, your three beautiful kids look up to you. They, ha they haven't had to look outside of a home for a hero with you. I and hope Mama not. T, I right? mean, dude, when you said that about three, four minutes ago, I wrote it down and I have not stopped thinking about that. That one stuck with me. Go ahead. No, but like, what has that, I mean, what does that look like for you? Because I would say what I love, right, is the humanness of what life looks like around you. Right. I, I love learning. I love how you're supporting. I mean, our car breaks down and then we, you know, it's a 12 hour trip from, I mean, that's for another day, but seeing the way that you have been able to handle some of the, I would say some of the bad cards that have even been dealt your family, right. And some of these things that you've had to walk through and the fact that you have remained right. That, that cornerstone, right. I've tried, right. You, you, and I just want to say you, you have done that. And I, and that's where I would go back to right? You know, our, our listeners who are, are watching, I, I love the analogy of a lighthouse, mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about it in a hurricane, right? Lighthouses don't frantically run and jump all around a harbor looking for ships to save, <laughs> they just, right? They, they just are. They They're just, just are. They stay planted. They stay rooted. They stay functioning in why they were designed and how they were designed to function, right? right? They were not designed to hop from harbor to harbor, right? Looking for ships to save because 
in their function, they actually save ships by just functioning how they were called to function. Right. And so that's what I would say. Stay at home mom, I think is the greatest job in the world because they are that structure. They are that core. They are that cornerstone. So what has that looked like for you? I, and I would say being a lighthouse right in your family, right? What has that, what have, what have you learned and how have you grown in becoming, uh, I think more secure in your role as a lighthouse? Well, I like how the roles have switched in this podcast now. And he's interviewing me. You like that? I love it. Um, this is a first. No, it's it, it's Terry and I very much tag team. And she is very much comfortable in her role. And she, I would say, lets me do my role. Mm. Because my role is very much out there in, you know, around a ton of people. She's the freaking lighthouse. She doesn't change i'm the one that hops around everywhere she's the lighthouse um and just because you know and, and she doesn't change i change a lot i wear a lot of hats yeah. she doesn't so when you i mean to bring it all together like when you said you know stay-at-home mom is one of the most important jobs the best job on the planet that sounds good and i was like agreeing with you like yeah but no one's really ever told me why and then you've just explained why. And now I'm like, yeah, even more <laughs> because it's so dude. It's so true. Uh, let me ask you, dude, 31 years old. Yeah. How do you have the wisdom that you have? Like, and by the way, you need to speak on stages more. Mm. You're a very behind the scenes guy, mm. but dude, I mean, we've had, you know, I've been around people my whole life that are on the stage. You aren't, I mean, you are on the stage, but to the capacity of all these other people, you're not yet. Is it because you're 31 and you haven't really come out yet? Or are you waiting for your at bat? So those are two questions. Yeah. That one. And how in the heck did you get this much wisdom in life experience only at 31 years old? Because when I was 31, 11 years ago, I mean, I mean, I was just getting my life started and stuff, but I was still trying to figure it out. Like a lot of yeah. times I talk to you, you feel like and this is what I'm talking about being around you. It kind of feels like you have it figured out. Oh, well, I can tell you first and foremost, I do not have it figured out. Uh, sometimes I have to trick my way into a lot, a lot of these things. But I, I would say to, I, to answer your, you know, your, your first question, uh, I have dealt with a lot of hardship. And I think the greatest, I think, illusion in leadership in life is to think that man could lead someone out of a wilderness, dry, desert, valley season that one hasn't been to themselves. Right. Right. So I have, I have reconciled the deep, dark, lonely, isolating places in my life. I've reconciled that in my own heart and in my own mind. And I believe that because I've engaged with that hardship at the level that I, and it's a scary place. It is, it is not fun. Right. And we, we don't have to talk about this, but I, I lived in Haiti for two years and I felt like I had, it was like open heart surgery for two years. And in fact, I want to actually share uh, something that I, that I wrote, I mm -hmm. think that could, I think, invite people into, I think my lived experience. And I hope that even as I share this, that people would begin to identify that you're okay right? The, the sheer fact that we are not alone, I think is so important. Like I want to create these moments, right? It's like the, oh my gosh, you too, right? Like, right. wait, oh my gosh, like you went through that as well, right? But that only happens in vulnerability. That only happens when we, you know, call it bleed publicly. So I, I just want to read this because I think it's, I don't know why the Lord just brought it to my mind. Go for it. Uh, and this was, uh, 
I, I received a lot of inspiration, drew a lot of inspiration during this time from uh, this amazing man of God called Brendan Manning. So wrote, this, you wrote this while you're in Haiti? It, on my way back from Haiti, uh, on the airplane as I left Haiti. And so and you had been there for two years. For almost two years, yeah. Why? Uh, I I was a part of starting a, a children's home. Mm-hmm. Um, there we had adopted twelve beautiful kids, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a wild time. That's that's for that's for another day. We could talk about sto- oh, we could talk about Haiti stories all day long. <laughs> Bunch of miracles. Uh, God still does miracles. Uh, disclaimer. Uh, so here we are. The imposter, the false self, was born as a defense mechanism against pain. It wasn't real if I didn't allow myself to feel it. The imposter within me whispered, Kyle, don't ever be your real self because nobody will like you as you are. Invent a self that everyone will admire, but nobody will know. So in response, I became a good boy, polite, well-mannered, tamed, unobtrusive, the golden child. Kyle Negretti, a household name. I studied hard, said all the right things, was the best at everything I did, won everyone over in a second, but was stalked every waking moment by the terror of abandonment and the sense that nobody was going to be there for me. I learned that perfect performance brought the recognition and approval I desperately wanted. So I orbited into an unfeeling zone to keep fear and shame in a different area code. Much of my callousness and invulnerability had come from my refusal to mourn the loss of a soft word and a tender embrace. Blessed are those who weep and mourn. I learned that I was the prodigal son limping home, not as a spectator, but as a participant. The imposter began to fade, and I was in touch with my true self as a returned child of God, a son in whom God was so deeply well-pleased. My yearning for praise and affirmation receded. It used to be that I never felt safe with myself unless I was performing flawlessly. My desire to be perfect, to be the hero, had transcended my desire for God. It was too risky to not be in control. Tyrannized by an all-or-nothing mentality, I interpreted weakness as mediocrity and inconsistency as a loss of nerve. I projected onto God my feelings about myself. I felt safe with safe with him only when I saw myself as noble, generous, loving, without any scars or any fears. But I came out of hiding. Jesus removed the garment of perfect performance and now forgiven and free. I'm on my way home where I have always belonged for I knew that someone was there for me and he had never left me because I am his delight. Yeah. So you wrote that on the way home on the way home. There's so much in there that you kind of come out that you struggled. I mean, I heard insecurity, you know, trying to put on this, like what happened? Because it sounds like when you talk about your mom and stuff in your childhood, it doesn't sound bad. But when I read the first part of that, it's like, holy crap, this guy's been through some stuff. Yeah, I, I think that I found all, and I, I have to fight this. Just so you know, it's a never-ending, I mean, I have to fight this. I have to fight the savior complex. Right when I'm 12 years old, I get put into a role as being a father figure and mother figure to my two younger sisters. Right. My dad is great and he's amazing and I love him, respect him. And he's a great dad. Mm-hmm. But there are, you know, certain roles or certain things that I just, you know, assume that position. Right. And I think in that, my dad during that time, right, he didn't need, you know, he didn't need me to be a son. He needed a Batman and Rob, he needed a Robin. Right. So I learned how to be his, his friend, his counterpart, and less how to be his son. Right. And so that, that's a, that's another story for another day as well. But I, I I would say that I found all of my identity in what I could do for someone. 
right? I think one of the, the scariest questions that we could ask ourselves, and I ask myself this almost weekly, is who am I outside of what I could give you? Who am I outside what I can give you? Who am I outside of what I could provide for you? Right. Because I've always been just open handed. I mean, be careful with saying that you like something off my back because I'll just give it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that I've operated. It's just I've 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 lived that way. I don't know where I I picked that up. My dad's an extremely generous guy. So was, I mean, a lot of his influence. But I just I got around generous people and I got around this way of life that I mean, we're, we're, when we go to be with Jesus, we're not taking any of, the, any of this thing around. Right. right. Like there, I've never seen a hearse attached to or I've never seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse. Right. Right. Like it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. So it's just like here, here we are. And so I think that I've had to dive super deep into this understanding and acknowledging that I am very much wired, that all of my identity, who I am as a person, the substance in which that I bring to the world was only valuable based on what you would get from me, not just me alone. Like me as a person, me as just Kyle, not the football player, not the connector, not the person who's in international development and gets to and gets to work with billionaires and Fortune 100 CEOs and all the top you know leaders and thought leaders in the church and athletes, all these things, right? If I were to say, I, I would say for the majority of my life, I didn't feel like anyone would care or or love the person if all of those things weren't attached to. Who I, who I am and what comes with me. So what what is that if you strip it all down to the core? Because, I mean, I hear so many, you know, sermons is, you know, you're here on this earth to give, to give it away. It's almost like you're talking about it in not a negative light, but a, a light that, you know, it's like, okay, well, look past what I can give you and the person I am. So who is that person? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I think people, I think oftentimes in the world, we love what, and I, I feel like people have loved what was in my hands but they didn't care about what was in my heart. Mm-hmm. So I would much rather you know and understand and get to know me for why I make the decisions that I do, why I'm wired the way that I am, why I think the way that I do, because then I think that you'll receive that which that is in my hands in a, in, in a, in a more profound, engaging way. But I would say that in the transactional world that we live in, I could just give you what I have and impress you and not have to be vulnerable, right? Because I, I would say that true vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. True transparency only happens when we stop hiding behind the things that we do well, right? Right. And so we don't live in a very, we, you know, vulnerability transparency is like this little, ta- you know, word that's now everyone's talking about. But I would say like the world, oftentimes we're not wired to be vulnerable. We're wired to be honest. And I think oftentimes, right, we're actually just being honest, but it feels like we're being vulnerable because we got exposed. Well, ultimately you just told the truth about you getting caught for doing something that you wrong, right? right. Like it's just, it's actually honesty. Disclaimer, it's honesty. It's not vulnerability, right? And so we can, we can go down this lane as well. But I, I would say I, I, I got to this place where I needed to be so secure in who I am just as a, like how I'm wired, who that person is. I just, I love people, right? I want to be, uh, I want to be a distribution center where dreams become practical, right? Where impossibilities just become possible because you just said yes to yourself. Like I want to be the guy that, you know, puts, I want, I want to give you, give, you need to give yourself permission to put all the chips at the center of the table. But oftentimes what we do is we keep a couple chips in our pocket. Just in case. Just in case. It doesn't work out. Right. And I'm the guy that's pickpocketing to make sure that you don't have anything because you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the world to just stop playing it safe. Right. Jesus did not go to the cross so that we could re- that we could play it safe. Right. Right. Like that's and so what we do, it's right? Moment. 
<laughs> right? What we end up doing, right, is we 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 wrap right these Christianese words, right? We call it wisdom, we call it discernment, we call it you know, here I'm waiting on God, right, to stay in the boat that he called you out of 10 years ago. Right? Because it's it's I think it's sometimes it's just easier to stay in our comfortable little place that's confined because I think oftentimes it's not the it's not that we're afraid of the wilderness you know tr- call it dry place that we're in I think we're actually more uh deathly afraid of the implications and the responsibility that is attached to entering in the promised land of our destiny right so I I think that oftentimes it's we're actually more afraid of good things happening in our lives than we are just sulking in business as usual and right. in, in our on our mundane Mondays, the unknown, the unknown, scary, right? To people, yeah. So have you have you found your niche with people? Are you happy in in what you're operating right now? Because I mean, again, like I said at the beginning, you're not the guy that's going to take a ton of pictures with the celebrities that you're with and put it on your Instagram. In fact, you even said off camera, you know, you don't take pictures with them, and it, and it builds a you know comfortability with you so that these people know that. You're not just there to get something from them. You're there to give. Are you, are you living out your destiny, your dreams? Are you living the life that you're talking about right now? I, I am. I, I would say I wake up in the morning and, you know, Pastor Gregory Pope down in Georgia, he says he looks at himself in the mirror and says, I'm the happiest man alive. I would say I'm, I'm competing with you. <laughs> I, I love I love life. I, I love what I get to do. And, and I would say to answer your, you know, the second question is I, I do feel like there will be a time where I, I have a more visible role. But mm-hmm. I would say the majority of my life has looked like playing home run derby for everyone else. And I love that role. I love just making everyone else look really, really good or maybe even better than they are, right? And so for me, I and I think that God has really challenged me and to saying, oh, like you've been assigned to influence millions of people and you actually are doing that every single day because you are influencing the influencer, right? Right, like I've given you the keys to the heart of that influencer, right? Who now in turn is influencing millions and millions and millions of people, and so I think that, yes, I would say that is absolutely how I'm operating. And I would say the greatest commodity, right, in this world that we live in is trust, right? And so you hear, oh, I'm going oh, to under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah, that sounds really, really good and cute in theory, but, like, do you actually mean that, right? When I'm in sales, I always say I'm going to over-promise and over-deliver. Yep. I hate under-promise, over-deliver. Yep. Because I don't want to come in sheepishly or... And like that, like I come in strong, I make a lot of promises and then I over deliver on those promises. Yeah. And I would say that that's why you have influence, right? That's why you're the best in the business, right? I mean, you, you really are, you are the best at what you do. I mean, I, I heard, you know, I've got to spend a few days with you here in, in Spring Hill and in, in Nashville and hearing the way that you operate, I'd say hearing you on the phone, hearing the way that you engage with customers here, hearing you engage with that's potential brother. clients, right? I, I need to learn from you. I mean, so that's what I'm saying is you got the goods. And I think that that I love that idea of I'm going to over promise and over deliver. And I think that ultimately that's what it's all about. I think the greatest commodity that we can build is trust. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, you could sniff a salesman from a million miles away. They, mm-hmm. they know that. And so I think building that trust, building that rapport, it, you, you, you can't, there's nothing better than being able to do that. 
right? And it goes and it goes a, a really, really long way. Like I would tell you, and a lot of these, a lot of these calls that I have where I'm pitching an idea or pitching something, you know, for management or whatever role, a book, podcast, whatever it is, oftentimes on an hour phone call, mm-hmm. I'll spend 40 minutes just talking to them. So let me ask you, because this is something key. And for those of you listening and, and you're in business or you have a dream or something and you need the help of an influencer, I think you're the best at this of reaching out to influencers on social media because you've gotten a lot of your contacts that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just say, um, well, first of all, do you kind of scout out the influencer that you want to attach yourself with? Like, you don't just wake up one morning and be like, okay, I'm going to call Tom Brady today, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. You search it out to where you would maybe reach out to someone like Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like someone who's big enough, but not Tom Brady. Do you do that? Or like, how do you identify the influencers that you want to go after? And then also, how do you go after them? Yeah. So I would say one, I have a, I have a dream list that, you know, that I, that I put together. Right. So I, I, I look at it. It's in my office. I just, I, I look at, I look at that at dream list. Right. So, and that, that, that's one thing that I do. Another thing that I do in terms of reaching out I think one of the things that that I, I think kind of sets me apart from most people, and you would think that this is just very elementary in terms of just thought process, is actually doing your research on these people. Yes. Right? Like actually finding something to engage with them. For, can you only get one shot? Yep. Right? Especially if you don't know them. Right? So if this is just a cold email or a cold Instagram direct message, whatever that is, right? Twitter, right? Do your research. Come bring something to the table that because these guys are getting inundated all day long with requests, right? All day long with endorsements, all day long for being on podcasts. But how are you going to differentiate yourself? And I would say people oftentimes, it's crazy, right? But people said, oh, because you knew that I was born in Richmond, Virginia, right? And you made some wild connection about Richmond, Virginia, and my love for Richmond, Virginia. Now I'm going to take the call because it showed that you actually did more than just Wikipedia me. Right. Right. And I think that we, we've like lost the art form, I think because of how, how inundated and how saturated it is to, you know, this technology, right? Mm -hmm. We just have so much information that I think we've lost the art form of what it actually means to, to personalize messages. Can you give me an example? I know you don't like to name drop and maybe you can, and if the answer is no, the answer is no, but I'll take a shot and ask you anyway. Um, maybe it's a deal that you already did. Can you give me an example of someone that we would probably know that I reached out to this person, this is why, and this is how I did it? Can you or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this wasn't a this wasn't a direct uh one of the people that I would say is Cameron Haynes, one of the most amazing, amazing guys, ultra marathon runner, uh, Under Armour endorsed athlete. He's the top bow hunter in the world, okay. right? He's been, he's been on my, my top list for, he's been like number one or number two, right? For what? what for do doing a do? book. I think that he has a story to tell. He, his, his terminology is keep hammering, right? He runs a marathon a day, Matt, 26 Ow. miles a day. Why? 26 miles a day. Because he's not even healthy. He said because it's his only edge. It's his only edge. He lives in a logging town right outside of Eugene. Look him up. No, I'm going to do the math. Okay. I know who he is. Okay. But so he gets so up. He what's, bet, a, what's, what's a marathon? 26.2. 26. 26. 
Yep. 26.2 times 52. That's not right. 26.2 times 50. Oh, yeah, 365. 26.2 times 365. I was thinking of weeks. So this dude runs just shy of 10,000 miles a year. That's like what, that's He's what amazing. I put on my car a year. <laughs> that's what, exactly. Look, that's look. a lease payment on a freaking car. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to get a Cameron Haynes lease, not a Honda Accord lease. What's the point? He, he's because it's, it's his, his edge? only edge. It's his only. Wow. He says he says he's an average guy at best. Right? You're talking about he's elite. Good friends with Joe Rogan. Trains with David Goggins. Amazing. Another amazing story. But I, I said Cameron. Like I, I knew Cameron had a story to tell. Right? He's, he he would say he's just this average guy. So you can help him get a book deal, or you can help him write a book. You could hook him up with a publisher. Got him, what can got, you do? got him a book deal. Yeah. So I, I work as a literary agent mm -hmm. right in Austin, Texas, at a, an agency called the Fed Agency. So we work on all their digital media products, so books, podcasts. We're now doing brand endorsement deals. I mean, really, it's kind of full service, right? So, so how amazing. did you reach out to him? What made you different? Like, so, give me a bullet point of so what I've you said. Worked with my business partner Esther is just amazing. She started the Fed Agency eighteen years ago. Esther, Esther, she really pretty. She's amazing. Yeah, she really pretty. Yes, because Esther has a way with her beauty. Yes, read your Bible if you don't know what that. Read means. your Bible exactly. <laughs> so what Esther? So I come to Esther said, hey, there's this amazing guy that we need to we we need to do his book. He'll he'll blow it out of the water. So what we ended up doing is we just leveraged another contact that we had mm -hmm. who is also very, very famous in the outdoors world, uh, owns the outdoor channel, all, the, all these different things. And all he did was put us in a text conversation with Cam and said, hey, we have a, we have a, we have a book. We have an idea for you. This is what we want to do. This, and the only reason why, I'll tell you this, the only reason why Cam took our call was because we said that his story was going to help hundreds of thousands of people. That was his only reason why it was not because I, I want to tell my story, not because in fact, he's like the most humble cat in the world, right? You would never know. But we said, Hey, we, you know, we work with, you know, Tim Tebow and a couple years ago, uh, Tim Tebow, uh, in school, there was a hundred thousand book reports on one of his books, right? That kids did in elementary school. So crazy. Right. And so we literally talked to Cam about, Hey, you actually belong in the same category, like your story right? What if young kids started writing a book report on Cam Haynes story about to keep, you know, to keep hammering, right? The only edge that you have is to run and to go for it and to just, and to be like, where, where is your edge, right? What, you know, he would say his edge is the mountains, right? No one trains better than him. The, the mountains are the great equalizer. The great outdoors is the great equalizer. That's his only edge, right? And so that was the value proposition. Cam didn't want to write a book. He didn't, I mean, he didn't care to write a book. In fact, he would say like, no one needs to really even know my story. But I mean, his story is super powerful. He's just a humble guy. Right. But it was us coming to Cam saying, you have a story to tell. And here's the reason why. And the reason why is, is this is how your story is going to help hundreds of thousands and hopefully millions of people around the world. And what was the end result? What ended up happening? Uh, we have a, we signed a book deal and his book will be released in a, in a year and a half. Boom. And it's going to be amazing. Boom. It's going to be amazing. Um, let me ask you this question. If you didn't know me personally, yep. but we have a mutual friend like Rex or something like that, and you saw something and be like, pitch me, how would you approach me? How would like, I what, pitch you? Yeah. Or, and what would you want to do? I mean, one, I'd have to go do a deep dive into, I mean, all of you and you're, you're an enigma. But see, but, but why? Because it's fun. Like, and I'm not saying this cause I'm sufficient for compliments, but yeah. you never see yourself 
the way other people do. Yep. And that's constantly something that I always wonder, how do you see me? And I'm, I'm asking you, but I ask other people like, how, what do people see me? It's a scary question yep. to ask yep. because I think I bug a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think my personality, I think I just, I do. I just, I don't know if I'm insecure about it, but I think I bug a lot of people. I think maybe I'm too happy or people don't actually think I'm that real or something like that. But like, how do you see and like, what would you pitch me? Yeah, well, one, I'd go do some backstory and I'd find out that you were on American Idol, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Oh, first, I'd find out that you're a Rose Bowl champion and that you have a I'd love to know why you change schools. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think that would be the first thing I'd say is like Rose Bowl. Dude, that's crazy. Why did you change school? No one ever asks me that question. Yeah. And when he said why you change school, something went. Yeah, I would answer see, that question. See, but this is the thing. Look at how. OK. Look at how easy this was. That was right away. No, but think about, look at how easy that was, what it sparked in you by one question. so weird. And how personal it is. But that's the thing. You want, you, regardless, I'll tell you this. Disclaimer, we love talking about ourselves. Right, right? but dude, you know what's crazy? (laughs) Everyone asks me, how was it to win the Rose Bowl? What was it like? What was the Rose Bowl like? No one ever asked me, why did you change schools? And see, I would say, I, I don't care about the Rose Bowl. And I, I would say, thank you. Yeah. Because I'm tired of talking about the Rose Bowl. And I, and I would say, you don't want to talk about the Rose Bowl. I don't want to talk wanna, about You want to talk about how hard it was to transfer, right? Dude, because that's, yes. Because I would say that transfer is what has defined your life. Yes. Right? Like what you learned. You're a freaking guru. No, no, but what you learned in that season is more important than you winning the Rose Bowl. Dude, the transfer right? from Iowa what? to Washington was one of the hardest things I've ever went through in my life. Yeah. And I never talk about it. Yeah. And I want to talk about and it. And all I want to say is that's all I want to talk about. And I would call right? you back. Right? Dude, this podcast just flipped. Hey. It's so <laughs> freaking no, but seriously. That's what I no. level up no. with Kyle no. Negretti. No. no, seriously. No, but this is the thing. It's and I would say we miss the forest for the trees. It's not hard. Just get inspired about people. Right. Become the student. Right. We were talking about it like one of the one of the PSAs. Right. Public. I was like, become like, here's permission. Become a beginner at something this week. Right. But I think oftentimes we don't want to be the beginner. Right. We don't want to be the student. We don't want to be in a place where we're going to get something wrong or going to fail. And I would say flip and fail. Take risk. Right. Like make mistakes. But this is like my philosophy is I hope that I'm making new mistakes every single day day because why because it would mean that i tried it mean that i i didn't sit on the couch in apathy making all these excuses about why this didn't happen why that didn't happen i want to live a i got one life to live and if i'm not living big and free and learning different trades and getting around people like yourself to learn how the heck did you do it what the heck did that transfer look like from iowa to what that makes no midwest like to to washington to then you're you're now somehow on uh, you win the Rose Bowl, then you go on to be on American Idol, and then you have this big personality, and then you become a host on The Deadliest Catch. Then now you're like transition. You're in you're in California. You got all these things, and God's given you this great influence with all these uh, NFL athletes and all these you know this auctioneering and all these all these crazy things. And then you're selling payroll, and then you got this entertainment, and then. Yeah, I got this podcast, I should, and uh, I should start a uh, podcast, uh, but I start. never talk about myself. I always talk to the guests, right? And That's funny, it's like okay, so Matt, who's Matt Rogers? I would say I'd go back to that exchange, right? 
and you transferring, because I would say that that's where life shifted. And I would say you've probably gone into that gap of what took place and, and the hardship and, and, and all of that. I would say you probably go back to that point in your life more than you do anything else. Oh my God, this guy's like a freaking seer. Uh, you know what I mean? The only thing missing from this is a big old crystal ball right in front of us. Dude, you are freaking amazing. I love you, bro. I love you too. And you, uh, you are already my friend. And this one just made me love you even more. Mm-hmm. What? Because we always ask, like, what's one thing you can leave people, you know, a quote or a challenge or something that helps them level mm-hmm. up? How will you drop the mic on this awesome episode that you've already brought to the table? What would you say? Man. I would say that your giftings, right? The things that God has put, they're, they're freely given, right? Your giftings are going to get you in the room, right? But your character is going to keep you there, mm. right? And I, and I would say that your, your character, right, is, is formed in relationship and then it's tested in isolation, right? So I, I would ask you, who are you? behind closed doors, right? Is there a gap between your, call it your public image and your private life? And whatever that is, I would tell you and encourage you, close that gap because it will get exposed. But you have the time to take inventory on whatever that gap is, go there. Your character, who you are as a person, just know that you have something to give. If you were born to shine, then shine, right? If you've always wanted to be Uh, if you always wanted to be a lawyer, go to law school. If you're 42 years old, put the chips at the center of the table and stop holding them in the, in your pockets, right? I am here to pickpocket you. Matt's here to pickpocket you. We're here to level up. And the only way to level up is to put all the chips at the center of the table. Amen. This was a good one. Eli, what do you think? So good. (laughs) It was so good. I love what you said at the end though, about your character and who you are behind closed doors, because man, if, if the world thinks I'm awesome just by watching, you know, social media and stuff, but my wife thinks I'm a chump. I'm a freaking chump. Yep. You know what I mean? So important. Dude, I love you. I love thank you. you so much for coming on Level Up. And thank you for watching, listening. If you are, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, please like and please subscribe and please share. This thing is absolutely moving full force forward. And um, if you can, Give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating. We're getting uh, mostly good ratings, but we're starting to get ratings, and um, it's important. So I can't ask you enough. Please like, subscribe, share, and uh, rate. Thank you so much, Kyle Negretti. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Level Up with Kyle Negretti today. You guys are awesome. This has been another week of Level Up.